All right, so today we're taking a look at the last, the first chapter um, in, the, in the, the part about Jesus and women. So we're jumping back to chapter 15 in the book, which has to do with the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, which is a, I think is a pretty familiar story. It takes up all of, most of John chapter 4. Um, and maybe to, just to, to get things going... I'll just read the text for you, and you can, uh, you, can, you can listen and meditate on it. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. It's a, it's a long text, so uh, if you start getting bored, holler and we'll pause for, pause for a minute. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus... Wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. 
Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering food, fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So, there's a lot there. And by the time we get to the end, you've sort of forgotten what happened at the beginning. Um, I, uh, I, I formatted it a little bit differently on the, that third page or the, the front of the second page in the packet that I gave you. Most of the text is just dialogue. And so it's kind of helpful, I think, to be able to see the exchange that goes back and forth between Jesus and the woman. And we can sort of we can look at it in those terms. Um, and, and ask and ask questions about the dialogue that way. Are there is there anything that strikes you? Anything um, unusual or anything that you want to comment on or ask about before we dive in? The woman she seems to be open to Jesus, where most people in the air of the world are not. That's right. And in fact, the Samaritans. So most people. Most people are really not very open to Jesus, and the Samaritans rejected Jesus in particular. But this woman, um, and this has, has a lot to do with her, her character, as we'll, we'll find out, um, she was, was open to conversation with Jesus. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't reject him outright. Yeah. Right. So that, this is a this is a, a good uh, good question about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were sort of uh, half breeds as far as the Jews were concerned. So in the region, if you look on your map there, this the back of the first page. We've got Samaria, which is in between Judea to the south and Galilee to the north. And when the Jews were exiled, the uh, the the nations that were oppressing them brought in other people into Samaria. And what resulted was a group of people who were somewhat Jewish, but only sort of partially Jewish. Um, and they didn't, they, didn't worship in, uh, they didn't worship in Jerusalem, and they didn't worship in the same way that the Jews did. Um, so they could claim Jacob as their father, 
but they were sort of a different branch than, than, the, than the rest of the, the people. I've got one just for you. Yeah. So let's take a, take a look at that map for a second a little bit more closely. Um, the, it's kind of helpful to put things in perspective this way. In, uh, in chapter 2 of John, we have the wedding at Cana, which is up in Galilee, right in the, if you see the text that says Lower Galilee, it's right above that text. That's chapter 2 of John. And then Jesus and the disciples head to Jerusalem, down in Judea. Um, and now the, uh, the Pharisees are starting to get a little agitated, and so Jesus heads from the Judean countryside back up to Galilee. And it's notable that uh, most, most Jews would just avoid Samaria altogether. It's, uh, not only is it unpleasant to, to you know, spend time in this place where people don't like you, you don't get along with them, um, you can see that route sort of outside of Samaria, but Samaria was an unclean place as far as the Jews were concerned. And so avoiding it was, was proper, but Jesus heads right straight through it um, and, and stops in Sikar. Okay, so... Jesus sits down at the well and the woman shows up um, about noonday. Right? That's what it says. Sixth hour, about noon. And there are some implications, uh, implications to that. Uh, it was more common to draw water not in the, the heat of the day. Sixth hour, that's when it's going to be the warmest. So there was something kind of, kind of strange about the woman coming at this time. She came um, by herself when nobody else was around. And later, as we find out about sort of her history, um, you, can, you can sense that, that there's a shame. She, uh, she, wants to avoid, um, she wants to avoid being around other people. And she walks up to the well, and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. And so the question, I just heard uh, Dr. Kleinig at the pastor's conference um, uh, this, earlier this week, and he, he said that the instruction, the, the Kleinic rule that he gives for performing exegesis, for interpreting a text, is to begin by asking what's unusual about the text. So the question for you is what's unusual about Jesus saying, Give me a drink? Well, it, she's Samarian and it's like an unclean area. She didn't be drinking with her or talking to her yeah. or anything. All of the above, right. Yeah. These are all. <laughs> Very bad things, right? Yeah, so a Samaritan, um, to talk to a Samaritan, to, and it says that in the text. They don't have any, Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans, right? In fact, the Jews, were, I mean, the antagonism towards the Samaritans is really severe. In, in Luke, um, the Samaritans reject Jesus, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the son, sons of thunder, say to Jesus, hey, would you like us to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans? They're just... They don't, they don't like them very much. So, you know, I mean, it's hard for, us to, hard for us to really understand the scope of how unusual that is. What else? That's a very good question. He, I mean, he doesn't have something to draw the water with. But, but the, you know, the disciples were just, were just with him and had gone away. So the way that Kenneth Bailey puts it is, he certainly, he certainly could have said, hey, leave the bucket with me. There's a well here. I'm going to be thirsty. But he doesn't, right? Um, and so 
Bailey's argument is that Jesus deliberately puts himself in a position of needing somebody else's help. Um, we always talk about how Jesus is giving gifts, is doing his servant, he's serving. Um, well, here we have this great example of Jesus putting himself in a position where he needs to be served. Um, and the, the other example, which I thought was really compelling, is that when Jesus sends out the disciples um, early in his ministry, he sends them out and tells them not to take anything with them. So they're sort of at the mercy of the people to whom they, to whom they go. It's, you know, it's, it sounds a little bit harsh to us, but I'm not sure about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. There was no, no nice way to ask. Yeah. I, I was looking at it a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right, so there's the other facet. I mean, this, is the, this has been the theme these last six weeks is that, I mean, the, so Jesus is interacting with women in a way that women aren't, aren't supposed to be interacted with, yeah. Um, just trying to see. He says, so, so the Greek says, yeah, give me, give to me to drink. Give me to drink, yeah. It's just, it is a, it's a command, an imperative, yeah. Not even please. Not even please, right. <laughs> but, you know, if you remember the, uh, the way Jesus interacted with the Syrophoenician woman, I mean, he, there he was harsh with her in a way that we, were, we weren't expecting. He said, um, it's not right for the food to go to the dogs. Um, and what was the purpose of that kind of tone? Yeah, to, to test and to teach. Yeah. To, uh, so, so, you know, so later the disciples come back and they see Jesus talking to her. And so the, the disciples have a lesson to learn here. But as the, the dialogue goes on, you can see that Jesus is really kind of pushing her. Uh, pushing her in, into, a, into a, an uncomfortable position, really. So, now, given all of that, Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So what's unusual about that? Yeah, yeah. So, so he had he had some some nerve asking her for a drink, um, but but what would you expect her to do? Well, she just didn't because he's a guy and she's a a, a woman. She just didn't just give it to him. She kind of questioned him, which seemed odd to me that a woman in her position probably would not be questioning a guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so if she really objected um, to a Jew. And a male Jew speaking to a Samaritan woman, and if, that, if she sort of had moral scruples about that, she would have, she would have not said anything, right? Because um, she, she would have been, it would have burdened her conscience the same way that she was. So she was saying, "Hey, aren't you know these are the rules? Why are you breaking them? I'm a rule breaker. Why are you breaking them? You know that kind of a thing." Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And uh, um, that yeah, it's all it's all sort of packed in there. Um, Kenneth Bailey points out that when she says, "How is it that you, a Jew, I mean, it's it's a male, a, a, 
a Jewish man. So she's laying it all out. You're a Jewish man, and you're talking to me, a woman of Samaria, and you're asking me to drink, which is another, another check on the checklist. Yeah. So then, Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he doesn't answer her question. He doesn't de- sort of defend himself. Um, what, what does he mean if you knew the gift of God? Or what is the gift of God? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, Jesus is making a lot of bold claims here, which, which sort of go against what, what the people were used to thinking. So when, God, when, when Moses received the law of God, that was, that was the gift. And that's what, made, that's what set the Jews apart. They had, and the, Jew, the Jews and, and other you know, descendants, they had God's revelation given to them. And, and later, uh, Jesus even refers to that. Um, salvation is from the Jews. Um, and so here Jesus is saying, um, you've got it wrong. If you, if you really knew what the gift of God was, um, you would have turned the question around and said, give me a drink. It, it's um, a bit confusing. He says, Give, giving you living water. And th- there's, there's really a double meaning there. Living water is um, spring water, not from a well. Um, that, it was just the the way they spoke about it. But, you know, he's also, I mean, the implication is there as well, that he's, he's talking about, and he describes it, water that gives life. Um, so, he doesn't answer her objection, instead leads her to this, you know, sort of, sort of confronts her and says, you're, you're, you've got it wrong. You're confused. And she replies, um, sort of quite reasonably, right? <laughs> How can you... Where, where are you going to get this water from? But she goes on, and this is a, this is a bit confusing. Why, what, what, what kind of a, to- what's, what is your uh, impression of her, her sentence there? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from himself, as did his sons and livestock. Yeah, she does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and it was a point of pride for the for the Jews. Yeah. So you know, so on the one hand, she's showing that she knows she knows the history, but on the other hand, she's also making a claim about you know it's it's kind of a jab. Um, she knows that he's a Jew, and she knows that the Jews are, take this have this point of pride. So we have Jacob as our father, not you. You guys are not the, the true heirs of Jacob. And here she says, our father Jacob gave this well to us. Right? So I think we get, I mean, we really get a sense of her, her attitude, <laughs> her character. And uh, it's, I think it's often under, it's underplayed. Um, I mean, the, the tone of her questions and the tone of her responses are, are pretty sharp. Well, and she talks about Christ. Yeah. Who 
someplace when the, you know, the men were teaching because this isn't the kind of thing yeah. that they normally, a woman would normally know sure. about in that day and age. Yeah. Of conversing about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, fight. That's a good word for it. <laughs> yes, Karen. And then, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, okay. So th- that's the other thing. Jesus is. So she's f- got this feistiness, um, but Jesus is not not exactly playing nice either, right? <laughs> so he's. He, she, she says she asks him this question. He says, "You're breaking the rules," and he and, sh, and he says, "He just he just completely diverts the conversation. If you knew the gift of God, you would have asked me for a drink of water. You you failed the test, right? Um, so it's, I mean, this is we're gearing up for a pretty uh, a, a quick-witted conversation, I think. Well, and then she turns around and says, "Okay, you want to give me this water? Give it to me because then I don't have to come back to this place." That's and right. Right, right. So she yeah, So she comes back and says, "Okay, you've got this water. Give it to me." But what? It, she's missing something, though. Um, she only she only sees, she only listens to half of his statement. What? What? Uh, what is she missing about what Jesus is offering her? Yeah. Right. Right. And this is the really frustrating thing about what Jesus does a lot. So he says he's talking about one thing, but he's really talking about another thing. He's talking about leaven, but he's not talking about bread, right? He's talking about water, but he's talking about himself. Um, so she misses the part where he says, this water is going to be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She wants never to be thirsty again, but she's not thinking about eternal life, at, at this point at least. So now, <laughs> now the... Um, uh, well, back back to Jesus' response there when he when he says, um, if you if you drink this water, you won't be thirsty again. Um, again, he's he sort of diverted the conversation. So she's trying to she's trying to irritate him or uh, show off her you know sort of show off her claim to. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and the the consistent thing about how Jesus responds is that he he takes it a different direction again and says, um, "I don't care about Jacob right now. I don't care about Jacob's well. Listen to what I'm saying about this water that I'm giving to you." Um, she replies, "Give me the water," and he says, "Go call your husband." <laughs> yeah. Right. So so. So what's going on? What's going on now? Yeah, I mean he's playing his he's, he's playing the game, right? Right. So she so, so she. Right. Yeah, the very reason why she came out at, at noonday. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, in in some way, it's it's showing her that he's not talking about just ordinary. He's not just an ordinary man talking about ordinary water. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, so the idea about not not really exposing the sin. If you if you listen to the conversation, he never says to her, 
like he says to other people, go and sin no more, or, um, you know, he doesn't even say your sins are forgiven. Right. So, you know, the, the, what he says about a spring of water welling up to eternal life, um, just sort of, it sort of happens just sort of by default. So she hears, hears the, his words and the water wells up um, in her and, and it spills over. It, like she goes and uh, she tells the people. And, the, and so the witness that she bears as a woman um, didn't have much weight in the, in the culture, but the, the water that she was providing, you know, sort of the, the living water, was, did the work. It did the work and it bore testimony to what she was saying. Um, so the, the, that's, I think, the thing that's most remarkable to me is that Jesus is, is sort of describing what's happening as it's happening. You know, she should ask him for living water and, and here he is supplying her with living water. And this living water is going to um, spring up to eternal life and it happens. It happens, at, you know, just as he says. Right. Okay. So, now Jesus says, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And I, we have, I mean, we already talked about this, that he's, he doesn't say, You sinner, you've had five husbands, and you're, you're living with somebody who's not your husband. And he doesn't say, Why have you, why have you had this lifestyle? Um, he just, he's, he just says, yes, you just confessed your sins. <laughs> you did it, right? right. So now, it, um, the, the question is, what, how, how can you characterize Jesus' response? What, what kind of, if you, were, if you heard that response of Jesus, what would that make you feel? Or how would, that, how would you respond to that? Yeah. Yes, so it's an impossible command for her to fulfill. You know, yeah. go tell your husband. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he puts her. He puts her in this uncomfortable position, and um, he doesn't ask her any question. Doesn't uh, doesn't lead her in any direction. He just says, "Yes, what you said is true," but she feels compelled to re- compelled to respond one way or the other. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So, what's, what's going on here? What's unusual about this response? Time to find a new prophet. Let's get off of this husband bit. <laughs> right, right. Now we'll talk about where is the right place to worship. Yeah, so she, I mean, she tried this once already with the, the, the turn of phrase about Jacob. And now she, now she says, okay, this guy's sharp. He, he's, he's even a prophet. He's a Jew. So let me just, let me get him where it, where it hurts, you know. Um, our fathers worship. And so, you know, Mount, Mount, uh, Mount Gerizim in Samaria. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. That's where they worshipped. The Samaritans worshipped. And the Jews said, no, you have to worship in Jerusalem. You have to worship in the temple. In Jerusalem, 
And so, you know, you can't get around how perceptive she is and how, you know, how sharp she is in, in sort of trying to, uh, div- you know, divert the, the topic of conversation. Um, she's obviously struck by what Jesus said. She's been, been convicted. Um, so now we get Jesus' long response, which is really sort of enigmatic. Let's, uh, he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So he takes her, uh, her diversion and says, I once again, forget about it. <laughs> forget about that distinction. But he says, you worship what you do not know. And what, what, does, uh, what does that mean? Yeah, sure. So, you know, they had, um, they had the, the, perhaps the ritual, the, you know, the rites, um, but they didn't have the teaching. They didn't, they didn't have the substance. No. If you re- think back to um, what Jesus said earlier, he said, if you knew the gift of God, um, I think that that is at play here as well. So you worship what you do not know. Um, and so Jesus is, is saying, here I am. I am the gift of God. And I am the object, I'm, I'm the object of your worship, but you don't know me. You don't know me. Um, salvation, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it may be that these are sort of the, the party lines, which he's pretty familiar with. So, Jacob's our father, here's Jacob's well. I mean, it was a, a geographical feature, right? Um, and... Then I mean, every time they saw a Jew, they they probably thought about the where they worship. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's it'd be a good question to ask how much how much knowledge is is uh, available to, to to women or to people who weren't instructed, you know, sort of uh, formally. That's good. Yeah, so now... Um, I think so, yeah. I think that's the right way to look at it, and especially because he says, for salvation is from the Jews. So, um, that's a good question. Who, who are the true worshipers, or what is true worship? What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? What about, how, how does that fit with the ideas about worship that the Jews and the Samaritans had? Well, because they were considered to be unclean and everything else, that everybody then... Sure, yeah, be. yep. So that the Jews worship God and God became a sacrifice and they could offer their sacrifice to the Jews. Yeah, I mean, it... it, it That's how they worship. Right, 
So, so sacrifice and the temple became, in some ways, for the Jews, uh, you know, idols, which replaced what true worship was. So God says, you know, I desire um, not sacrifice, but a contrite heart. And um, God says, I, I, I will not dwell in a house made with human hands. And the, so, you know, the Jews sort of for, forgot this. Um, yeah, yeah, so it, it's, it's, a little bit, uh, it's a little bit confusing because these things, the sacrifice in the temple, were things that were given by God. Um, but as with, as with any gift that we have from God, it can be turned into a false religion. Um, just like in the, in, the, in the Middle Ages, the people would go to the Lord's Supper and they, would, they wouldn't eat the body and blood, or they'd drink the blood, but they, or they, actually they wouldn't. They would just take the body and then they would take it home with them and then they would worship it. So this thing which was given to them for their benefit to eat and to drink they turned into an idol, right? And that's that's the that's the problem that we always face. Um, we always we always want to do things our own way and turn things into uh, our. We want to define worship, what worship is. And here, Jesus says, true worship is worship in spirit and truth. And if you break that down, it's really nothing more than faith. I mean, that's that's what true worship is. Believing Jesus, receiving with thanksgiving what he's given you. Um, which makes, you know, which for a Samaritan, as you, as you pointed out, a Samaritan who's unclean, who can't worship in the temple, and maybe, maybe the Samaritans even felt a little bit bad about the fact that they couldn't go to the temple and worship. Um, and now Jesus is saying, you can worship. Um, and here's, here's what it is um, to, to know the gift of God. I have another question written down. Does it, does it bother you at all that salvation is from the Jews? Does that phrase bother anybody? Okay. All right. Never mind then. <laughs> there's a... There's, there's, but it had to bug her. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, okay, so it bugged, it bugged her. Yeah, it had to bug her. It, it, uh, Bailey refers to this fellow, um, Leslie Newbegin, who's, um, who's English. He, uh, he talks about um, the scandal of particularity. And so we experience this some, you know, somewhat uh, today, even though we, t- we don't talk about um, salvation being only for the Jews, um, we do have sort of this particularity that it's only through this revelation that was given to the Jews that we know about God's truth. And so um, in some ways it is really scandalous. Not everybody knows this information. Not everybody has the, the possibility of knowing the gift of God. Um, and so, that, you know, it, it can be troubling, but at the other, on, on the other hand, it, is, um, it shows us how much God loves us, that he's given it to us as well. Right? So, anyway, I didn't mean to raise an, a, a, something that wasn't an issue and make it an issue. Um, Right. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it is. It is. Right. And it's so remarkable that, you know, the Samaritan in the next sentence, the Samaritan woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. Um, he's going he's gonna to be the, the Christ, the Savior. Um, so that this is always on the mind of, of people who are engaged in the Jewish religion, that this, is, this has not yet happened. Um, uh, and... Let's see, there was something else I was going to say. And yet the Jews consider Jesus a great prophet, and yet she says that he must be a prophet. Right. So that, she brings that up. She can see that something is different about him, but yet the Jewish faith as a whole, they believe Jesus is a prophet. Yeah. You know, not the Son of God. So she kind of proves a little bit more there. In, uh, in the Joy Group Bible study, we're going through the book of Acts, and we just encountered a scene where Paul and Barnabas go to um, a synagogue in in Asia, and um, they preach, and everybody receives the receives their teaching with joy. And the next day, they come back to the synagogue, and the whole town is there. Everybody's there, and the Jews are jealous. They're jealous that that suddenly what was once their you know their sole possession is now. Um, is now for the whole world. And so, you know, this is the, the really fr- tragic thing is that sometimes it's not, even, it's not even that they don't believe the content, not even that they don't believe, um, not even that people don't believe that Jesus is God or their Savior, but they, they don't want it. Um, they don't, then in, in, in that case, the Jews didn't want it because they didn't want it if everybody else could have it too. You know? Yeah, right. So, you know, so they had acknowledged how great this teaching was, but then the next day when everybody else is a part of it, they forget about it. This is no good anymore. Yeah. Okay. So once again, she, um, in the next, next sentence, in her reply to Jesus, um, I know that, that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. <coughs> Once again, she, she shows us she, she's been listening, right? But uh, what's, what's her tone in saying this? What, if you can sort of listen to it in your head, how, how does it sound when she's saying that? What is she trying to communicate? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe it's not. But this is another guy coming who's going to straighten things out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so everything about Jesus is sort of contrary to the expectation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. It, it's 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 uh, sort of this slow disclosure of who Jesus is. And she gets so so she starts out knowing that he's a Jew, and she's trying to sort of get at him. Then uh, then she knows that he's uh, what? How does Bailey put it? Um, let me check here. He breaks it down nicely, very much as you did, Donna. Um, So uh, he quote, uh, so Bailey quotes this uh, Eastern father, Ephraim the Syrian. And this is really a, a, a useful quotation. The beginning of the conversation, Jesus did not make himself known to her. But first she caught sight of the thirsty man, then a Jew, then a rabbi, afterwards a prophet, last, last of all the Messiah. She tried to get the better of the thirsty man. She showed dislike of the Jew. She heckled the rabbi. She was swept off her feet by the prophet, and she adored the Christ. So, yeah, it, that's on page 215. I think that, I mean, it, that's, I think it's a really apt description of what's, what's going on. Um, and, and so if you have that in mind, you can, you can s- sense the, the tone of her voice. And um, so, you know, if she's skeptical about who Jesus is at this very last phrase here, at least she... Um, she's between knowing that he's a prophet and knowing that he's the Christ. So she says, you know, what, okay, so you're a prophet, but what I really need is the Messiah. And then, um, and then Jesus' answer is, is remarkable. He says, I who speak to you am he. And um, in the book of John, Jesus frequently says, um, I am, which is what, which is what, uh, what shows up here in this text. So it, Bailey translated it like this, I that am talking to you, I am. Um, and so Jesus, and, and this is constant source of irritation for the Jews, right? Jesus says to them, before Abraham was, I am. Um, and then, then they're like, oh, kill him. Because he, he's saying that he's God, right? Yeah. And so, so he's answering your question here, saying, if you're looking for the Messiah, here I am. Not only am I an earthly Messiah, but I am Yahweh. Right. Any questions, thoughts? Okay, we're not even remotely done yet. So <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The trouble with this is it's so long, um, but it's re- and it's really involved. So then the disciples come back, and here they have their lesson to learn. Right? They don't say anything. They don't say, as John points out, they don't say. What do you want, or why are you talking to her? Um, Bailey points out that uh, these would be the kind of things that you'd expect a servant to say to a master who's being sort of uh, annoyed by somebody, right? Uh, do you want, you want me to take care of this for you? Let me just, we'll, do, we'll just get rid of her. Um, but they don't say that. And so, I mean, it it's really strikes me as odd. Why don't they, why don't they say anything? Yeah, 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 and I—I I mean, it, I think that that's definitely, definitely at play. There's, they, they can sense some. some I mean, maybe maybe they even heard that last sentence. You know, they, <laughs> what's going on here? You know, something something strange is going on. I, I wanted to show you um, that picture that uh, wood cutting. Um, this comes from a old German Bible, um, but this is depicting. That last sentence of Jesus, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus is gesturing to himself. The disciples are coming back. 
Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit inaccurate, I think, because of, the, of that that other woman and child in the background. The whole point about her coming at noonday is that there was nobody else around. Um, she was there by herself. Um, and also, I don't think that there were, I don't think there were ropes. To, anyway, it's a. <laughs> Shoes. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. Yeah. They have. Shoes, yeah, they have. <laughs> anyway, th- sometimes it's nice. Even that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Those are good languages to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Beth. Yeah. Right. Right. The, the, the disciples are constantly learning who Jesus is as well. So, you know, so this woman really gets a kind of a crash course in the cor- you know through this conversation, and the, and for the disciples it serves as another another lesson in their their long span with Jesus. Yeah, well, so they went, to, they went into the town. Um, and, yeah, so already things are really, really strange for the disciples. They're already in a really I mean, awkward position. They have position. to be in a bad place mentally yeah. thinking, what are we doing here? Okay, so now, now they come back to Jesus with the woman at the well, and they're like, okay, all right, another, so just another thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Yep. They, and that's the disciples. It's, it's really it's, it's really nice to have them around. It makes yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, time is running short. So let um, Jesus Jesus gives us this last paragraph here. Um, and says to the disciples, first of all, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Um, which is, uh, that's probably too deep for the disciples. But Jesus is sustained by doing what God has sent him to do. Pastor Bruzek has, um, has a, new, a new favorite phrase or um, aphorism, which is, what's the difference between Jesus and everybody else in the world? Jesus is the only person who can do what he's told, who, who, who obeys. And so Jesus is sustained by that. That's, his, that's his, uh, his life is bound up in doing this work. And then this, this talk about the harvest and so, reaping what, what has been sown um, is another lesson for the disciples. So here they are in Samaria and the gospel has come to this woman and um, Jesus is saying, I'm the one responsible for sowing this seed. Your task is to, to harvest it. And if you have any sense about you, you'll look up and see that the fields are ripe for harvest. And it's Jesus that is sending them. So, uh, so this, is their, this is their task now. Yeah. Okay, we better uh, stop there unless there are any other questions or comments.
Okay, why don't we conclude with the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Thank you. So we're done with this section. The, the next chapter is going to be chapter 11, The Call of Peter.